We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you on a Friday as we enter uh, the third weekend of the NBA playoffs. Uh, we've now had a solid three weeks of the offseason under our belt. Hope you've been enjoying all of the offseason content that we've been putting it out. Lots more where that, all that uh, came from. A bunch more cap or no caps coming up in the week's. Um, and months to come ahead of, obviously, the official start of the new league year in July. So much, much to look forward to, including today's episode when we have on. Yes, you read that correctly on your podcast feed. Um, noted Nick Needler, LOL, Nick's connoisseur, you might say. Richard Jefferson, uh, former New Jersey net, uh, played for a bunch of other teams in the NBA. So uh, we were kind enough uh, or we were lucky enough, I should say. Richard was kind enough to come on and we were lucky enough to get him uh, through our friends, obviously, at Blue Wire. Uh, his his podcast, Road Trippin', um, is uh, part of the Blue Wire podcast family, which uh, he hosts along with Channing Fry, who we had on a few months ago. And uh, so, yeah, it was 
uh, as you'll hear, uh, we we got right into the the stuff that Richard has become known for, um, at least in this neck of the woods, um, and his consistent um, and tireless poking and prodding of the Knicks and Knicks fans everywhere. Um, I will give him a lot of credit. He did not try to hide from any of it. And uh, quite the contrary. In fact, he um, was very open and honest about where he, he is coming from with this stuff. And uh, I will, I'm not going to tell you what he said, cause you're going to hear it in just a couple of minutes, but I will say that I, I definitely appreciated and respected uh, where he's coming from. We also obviously talked about a lot of basketball, uh, including the Knicks this year. We talked some past Knicks stuff, his recollections from the uh, the one playoff series, the Nets and the Knicks played each other uh, back at the beginning of his career. Uh, we uh, we got into some some topics about what's coming up for the Knicks, what he would do, where he thinks the state of the franchise right now. Uh, spoiler alert, he's actually a little little higher on them than you might think. Uh, all in all, really, really fun episode. Really, really fun conversation for me to have with someone who I watched and uh, I'm not, I'm, I can't say I enjoyed watching him for his entire career because I rooted against a lot of the teams that he was on, but um, damn good player. Uh, had a very long career and it was really cool to get to speak to him about uh, the NBA, about the Knicks, and, and yes, of course, about some of his takes that he has about the basketball team that we we root for over here so without further ado uh the host of road tripping and uh, longtime nba player richard jefferson joining me now on the Knicks film school podcast a uh still a young man played 17 years looks young i, I gotta say look look good yeah, for travel yeah. travel around the country calling games <laughs> um 17 years in the nba um, including playoffs, scored over 15,000 points in this league of ours. Uh, not easy to do, but he did it. Uh, also did a lot of winning over his time um, playing for a number of teams. Uh, honored to be joined by uh, host of the Road Tripping Pod, Richard Jefferson. How you doing, my man? You forgot to say, and Nick fan favorite. Nick fan favorite. You forgot the, that part. That's the, the intro was so close to being just... Just perfect. All you had to say was a Nick fan favorite. And, but you know, if you want to redo it again, we can, I've got time. Uh, well, I actually don't have time, but it, like, if you want to redo it, like we can edit all of this out. See, this is why, this is why I appreciate you because I was actually sitting here. I'm like, you know, I got to start with the LOL Nick stuff. Um, because how could I, I would, it would be disingenuous of me as a Knicks podcast. host not to get into it. I'm sitting there, you know, as you're waiting for you to come on. I'm like, man, guy played in the fucking NBA. Like, who am I to come at him with, with, with his, with his stuff about the Knicks? What and mean, now what you, you mean? just, but who, are, you, who are you? You're every fucking Nick fan that hates me. That's <laughs> your vibe. That's who you are. You're, you mean, who am I? You know what? The world would be a better place if more Knicks fans had that attitude, but they fucking don't. And here we are. Uh, you know what? I think at this point, Nick fans are more worried about, uh, it's for, for the first time in a while. I feel like Nick fans are, are, have more turned inward, uh, with their, with their criticism, uh, me included. We'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, but yeah, no, let's, let's start there because, uh, you, you are kind of known for it, at least amongst Nick's fans. Um, I'm just like, 
Don't you look, the team is bad. They've been bad for a long time. I guess my first question is, you don't, you don't feel bad taking the low hanging fruit. I mean, it's, it's right there no, above no, the no, ground. No, 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 no. no, no. It, it, the reason why, and this is different, this is why it's different for me personally, and maybe some other members of the media. It's because like, it wasn't necessarily a rivalry, but like that was always a thing when, sure. you know, when I first came into this league, the Knicks were the Patrick Ewing era, Allen Houston. Season like 15 straight years, just a beacon of consistency. And so here we are. The Nets have never won a fucking playoff series, never won one. And we show up and we're trying to turn around a franchise and we would all, you, you had to look at the Knicks as the beacon of consistency in the area. And so we emulate, we wanted to emulate that, but be better. Um, and so we always took those games super seriously. It was a ton of fun. So like when I'm throwing shots at Knicks fans, it's because Knicks fans remember that era. They remember that where, well, we like, remember. The best ba- where the best basketball was in Jersey. And it wasn't for like one, it was like, for damn near a decade. And so I have fun with it. I don't ever get like malicious with it, but I have fun with it. You don't get malicious. And I think, and I'll, I'll be actually very honest with you. I think what gets under a lot of Nick fans skin, me included, I'm not, I'm not disassociating myself from this. I, I, I could pretend to not have feelings, but I do. Uh, yeah. I bleed Richard. I bleed. Um, yeah. It's, it's the fact that I think that, like there's a number of parts of it. It's the fact that we could tell the media is having so much fun with it. I think that's part of what I know for me gets under my skin. And, you know, it's also like, you know, there's a lot of bad teams out there. Why do we always get it? What, what, and of course we're in the major media market. What is it about the Knicks that, that you believe leads to so much of, you know, the, the jokes and what have you? Well, it's because you're in the media market and that's, that's just what it is. And your fan base is so huge and there is a legacy there and it is Madison square garden. It is New York, but that's what makes it so big. And so it needs to be discussed because you have, you know, millions and millions of fans around the world that want to hear about what's going on with their Knicks. That's just the truth. Like, like that's the truth. That's why the value of that franchise might be different than the value of a franchise in St. Louis. And I say St. Louis, because if I say any NBA city, then they're all going to all of a sudden start taking shots at me. And so (laughs) like, no. So, and so, so we're, we're forced. And part of the reason why guys start to get media members start to get angry is because we do have to feed the fan base. And sometimes there's nothing to feed the fan base, but this same regurgitated bullshit. And we start getting annoyed at the Nick management and we start getting annoyed at the Knicks. So now we're starting to get frustrated and it's like, God, we got to still talk about this shit. And so it's like, understand that like people don't see the human side of us. It's not like we wake up in the morning ready for Nick slander. If the Knicks were going to the NBA finals and playoffs every year, our ratings are through the roof. Everybody makes more money. It's all positive because it's such a, a huge fan base. So it's like, yeah, we get annoyed. that The Knicks are terrible and we have to feed the fan base. Same with the Lakers and the Warriors. And, and like in, in the nineties, it was the bulls, you know, the Celtics, you have to feed the biggest of the fan bases get fed the most that's just the way it goes i and i should have added to the last question like other than the fact that the knicks are often very bad what do you think it is that leads to so much of the conversation um more i I guess one one more on this and then i want to move on and talk about some other stuff just from like a philosophical point of view almost like do you think 
Like if you're why a bad NBA why are you getting all philosophical? Why, why, this why is what we do. Philosophical. Like, this, when you've had to watch, oh, man, okay. when you've had okay. to watch Julius Randle play, okay. See, that, uh, the, yeah, the, yeah, 65 games this year yeah. of uh, you know brick, bricking 18 footers, you get philosophical. Yeah. Um, do you think bad NBA teams deserve the benefit of the? I don't want to say the benefit of the doubt, but like you know, you're bad. You're poorly managed. You've made poor decisions. Your players stink. Whatever it is. You know, do you think there should be some modicum of like, hey, you know, you're on hard times. We'll take it easy. Or is it just like, look, there are 30 of these teams. No, if you're one you know of the. Why? Do you why? Know, no, no, no. You want to know why? Just just stop. Just stop. Let me tell you. <laughs> tell me. I'm, I'm all ears. It, oh, in order. In order to be so poorly run for so long, it's only based off of arrogance because there's enough basketball minds out there that if you allowed them to do their job, you wouldn't have a decade of just absurdity. Or right. Two. And you're not you know, most there of the two. King. There, there are two decades. What I'm saying is the Kings haven't been to the postseason in 15 years. It was it was the Clippers for, you know, the the 90s. And, you know, it's was, it was just like they were so poorly run to the point where it's like either you are trying to be poor or you are allowing arrogance and not allowing the professionals to do their job. Cause if you bring in professionals and hold professionals accountable, you're not going to guess wrong five times. You're not going to guess five yeah. times wrong because it, one of them is going to be a legitimate professional, especially if you do your due diligence, right? And, and then you get the you get the opportunity of the draft, so then you get a chance at the three pick, the two pick, the one pick, and then at that point in time, if you're doing your due diligence, you should get at that high. You should get two out of three right. Not a, it's not going to be a hundred percent, but you should get two out of three right. Or or don't trade the picks so that turn just, into the second pick. I just feel like in the if draft. you're getting criticized. It's because it's deserved. I, I, I don't think that that's completely unfair. And to the arrogance point, um, you know, this is a franchise owned by James Dolan, who uh, has been accused at times in the past of being a little arrogant. Um, do, do you think a lot of it just because, I mean, that's what Knicks fans a lot of times point to is like, look, if he sold the team, people would be dancing in the streets. Some of that narrative has changed over the last couple of years. But do you think it starts at the top with New York? No, I, I think New York weirdly is headed in the right direction, right? I, I do. I, I think like you can have a year like this where like your star player just has a moment, right? Like every year is not going to be a Picasso. Um, but uh, this year, I think it's shown because sometimes you can have the years that kind of expose Ben Simmons, right? Like is Ben Simmons that dude And Philadelphia decided that he wasn't. And we've seen what happened since then, right? It's true. They, they were right. He's not the dude to get them to a championship. They know that. And they have Joel Embiid. They have to do what's right for Joel Embiid. And so when you look at the Knicks, at Julius Randle, he's not going to be that guy. He didn't continue the same progression that he yep. made from, from that last year. So, um, you know, sometimes you can take a step back to find, kind of figure out, okay, well, at least we know we can't go that direction, right? We can't go that direction. We got to go another one. If you were the Knicks, um, after what you just saw from Julius Randle this year, not saying trade him for a ham sandwich, but would you, you know, pretend you're put yourself in management shoes? Would you be, uh, I guess, what canvassing the league or uh, keeping keeping the phone lines open, so to speak? Unless I got something really, really good 
I'm going to start the season with them and just okay. see how far, you know, I want to start the season with them, you know, get, let them get a fresh start, clear his mind, address whatever he needed to do in the off season, mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever it was that allowed for that amount of frustration, you know, kind of open up communications with them, um, you know, kind of talking to him. It's like, Hey, like, Hey, we get off to an O and three start. I need you to keep your cool. I want to make sure. Like, Where that does that start? Who, who does that have to start with? It, it's a variety of different people. It could be coaches. It could be, it could be assistant coaches. It could be trainers. Like a lot of people establish relationships with players that, that go beyond just the X's and O's, you know, if people you can talk to and then sure. the organization is like, Hey, you got a great relationship with the trainer. The organization will recognize that. And they were like, Hey, can you talk to, talk to your boy, you know, like just stuff like that. And so it just depends on what it is. So I would start the season with them. Maybe he can get off to a good start, you know, a healthy start that might increase his value, especially if you've decided that you want to move on. But yeah, unless you get something really good for him around the draft, I would wait and start the season with him. And maybe he goes off and has a good season, at, you know, sure. DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan wasn't considered, you know, leaving San Antonio. Nobody <laughs> knew that this dude be first or second all like all NBA this year. Like Incredible. sometimes it could just, it could just be a different. You just need a different year, different mindset. Something happens when you're a player and you are coming off a season, which this never really happened with you in in your prime because you just you were you were like a metronome. You were extraordinarily consistent for at least the first decade of your career. Um, but I, you have been around players where things have not gone um, as well. When you have that kind of season and you know perhaps that the organization or some within the organization, maybe some of your own teammates are, are getting a little antsy or, or something, you know, how, how does, how does that, or does that change your approach over the summer going into the next year when you know, like, okay, I was just the face of the franchise a year ago. And now my team may be looking to move on from me. Like, how, how do you deal with that? It's again, like think about how many people in human history have ever had to answer that question. Right. Like It's just, it's <laughs> more, like, fair. think about it. It's like one to make it to be the face of the franchise. And then two to experience that emotion of them possibly moving on. Like that is something that like very few human beings will ever understand. Um, and it's just, it's just an emotion of like, it's part of the job. And are you more focused on the craft than profession? I'm not trying to take emotion out of it, but if you're like, Hey, this is what it is. I've made tons of mistakes over the course of my career, not handling that the right way, getting too emotional about it, getting frustrated about it, you know, just like going into, you know, dark places. And then eventually you realize it's not the, it's not how it's not the situation that dictates your success. It's how you handle each situation that will dictate your success. And so um, that's the only thing is that until you go through it, you don't know. But I can tell you that I've gone through it and just gotten better, gotten better at handling that type of stuff when you're traded or when you're not playing as much as you want. Sure. That can mess with the player and it can take a while for them to to even really process what's going. I went my first I went 12 years before I had a do not play coach's decision. Wow. 12, 12 years. Right. I remember one of my friends came to a game. He's like, dude, I don't think I've ever seen it. I was like, 
I, and it was because I was with playing for the golden state warriors. Yep, my back was really, really, my back was really, really bad for the first time in my career. I couldn't move that well. And I was like, Hey, maybe this is the end. And then I had Draymond Harrison, clay, Steph, all of these young studs. So I was like, well, I guess I get to be the mentor. And it was cool <laughs> because I love them. And that's part of the reason why I have such a great relationship with them and all that stuff is because I, I was like, Hey, you guys are the future. Let me not be this grumpy ass vet, which I was still grumpy, but I was like, let me just support you guys and just be that dude. Um, but it's hard. It's a hard transition, but you know, you know, that's just part of the sport that you have to figure out. But you, I think did one of the rarest things in NBA history was you made that transition to vet mentor. Um, you know, we have Taj here. We love Taj. Um, and then you made the transition back to a guy who was on the floor in the last five minutes of, of, of you know, finals games. Like, what was that like for you to, I know you didn't finish your career in Cleveland, but to have that run at the end where you're playing big minutes in, in important games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, one, that was the crazy thing. My back was so bad that I really thought I was going to have to retire. I get traded to Utah. Uh, I go see, you know, the famed, you know, uh, Alex McKetney. He was a friend. We saw, I saw him at a wedding. He kind of looked at me a couple of things. He's like, gave me some few exercises. That's he's really, it's a long story, but Google Alex McKetney. He is like a, he's a wizard. Anyways, he works with Toronto. He's the head of their science and all that stuff staff. Uh, Back got better, go to Utah, was able to play 82 games. And it was more of like, okay, I love the game so much that I will accept this role. That's why when I watch, and I was never as good, I was never great. But when I watched Carmelo Anthony and I watched him go out the league and I'm like, dude, the transition is hard. Transition was hard for me. And I was never as great of a player as he was. And so I couldn't, you know, and that's why, but I was so glad to see him figure it out because then it just be like right now he's playing for just the love. He's yeah. not going to get better. He's not going to, his legacy He's not going anywhere. He's playing because he loves the game and you see it. Is he limited? Yeah. But does he love it? Yes. Same with Derek Rose. These guys that are like, they're not yeah. the same player, but they're, they're out there because they truly love the game. And sometimes when it's almost taken away from you, whether it's Carmelo being out, Derek Rose and his injuries, my back going to shit, you know, then you start to, when you get that next chance, oh, you're going to ride that. You're going to ride that with the joy that you didn't even know, man. And I was fortunate. Was, was, did you get more enjoyment out of the final runs late than you did with the, mm. with the finals runs with the, with the Nets earlier? Oh, a hundred percent. Because you know how rare it is to have a good group of guys that get along. They're all pushing in the same direction. It's, it's just rare. In 17 years, I've probably had it you know, five or six times. And that's a lot. That's, that's it? a lot. And, you know, and so, wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Five or six is a lot because my first two years you start off and my vets there were like, guys, this is not the normal NBA. You don't start off, have no injuries. <laughs> like my yeah. first couple of years, we led like my first rookie year, we led the NBA from start to finish. I led, led the conference and then it's the, the NBA final. That's not normal, especially for a team with, with no history that had never yeah. won a playoff series, a bunch of new trades and three rookies, four rookies, you know, it's like they, like they had never seen it. And so um, but that's not normal. That's not normal. I'd never gone to another conference finals, let alone NBA finals. I had 13 years in between the two of them. So when those runs started to happen, oh yeah, I'm soaking it all in because I know my ride is almost over. Um, but you still you still enjoy it. And it's like, but I will say the one thing when year 12, um, 
when my back was bad, I was like, Hey, if I'm going to try and start doing some media, maybe I'm not playing. So I'm, maybe I can start working and doing some media stuff during the side. So that's when I started doing more and more media stuff. And then when my, my career had a bit of a resurgence, now I'm doing a ton of media stuff because I want to like, like, cause I've like, now I'm, I'm starting to figure it out and I'm starting to enjoy sure. it. Yeah. And so like, that was just like a per, a perfect little whirlwind of why I was doing so much media stuff and started the road tripping podcast before I retired is because I was getting ready to retire. And then it was like, <laughs> Oh, nope, you got four or five more left in you. And, yeah. and it like kept going. So that was probably the pause. The biggest positive is that, and now I, give people that advice, start your post-career four to five years before you, you know, start it right away, Absolutely. but like start your post-career like early on year seven, start going, doing things years, even for the veteran guys. Cause you don't know, you know, how quickly you can go away. Um, you mentioned the early days with the Nets, obviously those teams, uh, I still remember those teams really well. I mean, that was beautiful basketball that you guys played as, as difficult as it was to, uh, to watch from my point of view. Uh, one of those series, not didn't that the playoff run that did not end in a finals berth, but you did play the Knicks in the first round. Uh, I was at game one. I think we got the lead down to like eight or nine. If I recall correctly, it was like a Mike Sweetney uh, put back dunk. We got, I was like, yeah, I was off my seat. And then we ended up losing by 25 and probably by like a hundred points total in that series. Do you remember anything about that series? Uh, Steph, it was oh, all, all those guys. We took so we took so much joy in that. We took, oh, I'm sure you did. This is this this is another reason why I don't mind playing heel to Nick fans, right? I don't mind playing the heel to Knicks fans. It's because they remember. So when I'm running my mouth and chirping, there's nothing that they can say back to me, right? Because like we were the dominant team in the area. And the one time that the Knicks made the postseason while I was with the Nets, we played them and swept them. And it was just like, it was the thing of just beauty. It was poetic beauty. Like, come on over that era to have that type of stuff go down. And it was like, we knew it, but we were so so locked in. Like we just wanted to, uh, anytime we played the Knicks, any, they were our most important game of the season. The Knicks could be 20 games below 500. And really? we were going to be more amped up for that game than the Lakers, the Spurs, the Sun. Yeah. Cause it was a different energy in our building. It was fucking Knicks fans coming in chirping, talking trash. And we, and this, or if we were in the garden, we just wanted to just go just obliterate that. That was our favorite game. And so like, for me, when I crack these jokes or I do it, it was true. And it was like, I lived in Manhattan. So like we would go, I would take a cab down Hudson. Right. And, you know, and go to MSG crush their team and then be out that night popping bottles and drinking and partying like in their city. It was like, it was like the most personal fun. And it was like just more of the interaction you would get from the people. I'm not like disrespecting any of the players that played for the Knicks. I'm disrespecting some of them were not too good. Just the organizations. No, I think, I think that's no, fair. no, but we took it was, that made it. And that's what made it fun for us is that it was like, it was such a big game for us that like, that's why we always played so well. And we always, whatever my, my, my career high on the road is 39 in the garden. Um, thankfully I was not there for that game. Although I'm, I'm sure you remember <laughs> it well. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Knicks fans? Have you heard about Prize Picks? It's daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and offers all the superstar players as well as the bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. All users that deposit and use promo code FILMSCHOOL will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. I made an account, and I can't believe how easy it is to make my picks. You choose two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Go to prizepix.com and use promo code FILMSCHOOL or go to the App Store and download the app today. PrizePix, it's daily fantasy made easy. One of the players uh, who you played with there was was pretty great, uh, Jason Kidd. Um, never won an MVP, though, although I would argue he should have won it the, the first year uh, that he was in New Jersey. Um, before I move on with a question about some of the guys you played with, trivia question for you. Can you name all five MVPs you played with? Yeah. Tim Duncan, Dirk, LeBron. Uh, did I play with Derek Rose? Tim Duncan. You did Dirk, not play with Derek Rose. No, I, well, I did. I did a training camp with them. My last training camp in Cleveland Okay. There before I got traded to Atlanta. So that's why I was like, wait a second. Um, let me go. Tim Duncan, LeBron, Dirk. You'd said one of them before. Who else? Uh, a slight shooting guard that changed the game of basketball. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Steph Curry. And then your last year. What did I play? Oh, Jokic. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. He's about to be a two-timer. Probably. He is uh, deserving. I would oh, say. Dude. Yeah. Nah, I, I'm I'm more on Joel Embiid. I'm gonna go more. Joel really? Okay, but, that's but fair. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but I love Jokic. But this is another thing. Like again, I start doing my media stuff, and I like how like blessed and fortunate I was that like not only did I play with a ton of great guys, but it, look at who I played with my last five years of my career. Mm. I played with Stephen Clay and Draymond and Harrison Barnes, and then I go and play with LeBron 
Kyrie, Kevin Love. Then I go and end it playing with Jokic and Jamal Murray. Like Jokic is going to be playing for another 15 years. I can bump my guns talking about how when I played with him, right, for another <laughs> decade, right? It's just, no, man, it, it it's helped me so much because now when I'm watching the games, it, it definitely gives me insight that it's a, that I'm able to share. And I try and maintain those relationships and, and keep talking to some of the guys. And every time, you know, I'll do a Denver game. I'll, I'll try and go say hello. Uh, because that ultimately what that does is it allows me to bring that back to the fans when I'm discussing stuff sure, yeah. and when I, when I'm talking and just allows people allows me to bring that back to the fans, which makes a great experience. And that's what I enjoy. I enjoy giving this information and talking about the game and interacting with, with individuals. So um, I, I'm glad it worked out that way. You, you mentioned bringing it back to the fans. So I'm going to ask something about it right now. You, we talked about Randall before very good player. I mean, he was eighth MVP voting last year, you know, all NBA second team, the whole thing, but there's a lot of players out there like Julius Randall. And then there are those select few, the types of guys that I just mentioned. What, what would you say it is that is different about the top, 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 top tier guys? It, it typically it's, it's, it's talent is can still be a separator. Cause like Giannis is just built different than any human being on sure. the planet. Right. Yeah. Like LeBron, like just built different Kevin Durant just built different. But I think if you were to say like all things being equal is definitely their mental and emotional maturity um, their mental and emotional focus. That's just the great separator, right? Like that, you know, you either do, you don't like, you know, you either have the ability to work out eight, nine hours a day, like Kobe, like no one can do that. Yeah. Like he, like, that's not like, you can say that that's a skill, but that's, that's a, that's a psychosis. Right. But he has the ability to do it. Right. Other players have the ability to do different things. So uh, that would be, I would say the great equalizer because that's how they're able to be so consistent every year. Julius Randall obviously has the talent. Yeah. He has the physical makeup. He has the talent number two pick all these things. He's been great for a while. He's been that dude, but like, why is it that, that a LeBron James, a, a Steph Curry, they could do it every year for a decade, sometimes close to two decades every year, that level of performance and consistency to your almost become bored with it. But like you get one golden year from Julius Randall and now you're wondering if he should be traded. Uh, who's the hardest worker? You ever out of all of them, anyone you've ever played with? Um, again, the the stories of Kobe, which are true, you know, like I, I, I Luke Walton was my roommate in college, and he would just he would tell me he was like, "Yo, the stories are true." <laughs> like the stories are true about his work ethic. He was really, yeah, his, but yeah, the stories are true. Um, and um, but I would say like I I never played with him. the hard one of the hardest ones I ever seen Alonzo Morning. Really? Alonzo, yeah, Alonzo Morning. That doesn't surprise me. <clears throat> yeah, Alonzo Morning mm-hmm. was like a, he was Pat Riley through and through, work ethic. And he, you know, he was dealing with his his kidney issues. Sure. Um, and so like that prevented him. But when you talk about, you know, the amount of like muscle and work and just like his attitude, like he was there to work. And that was again the 90s NBA, like those guys yeah. that were just like, they were there to grind, be physical work. So he was lit. He was an undersized center. He's like six, nine, you know, always battled, like, always battled. Right. Always battled. And that's just, that's just like, 
you know, you see the Draymond energy and like, he's like, they have oh. the same type they have, but I'm just saying they have the same type of like fight. Like they're kind of the villain all the time, but no one ever questions their intensity. Yeah. You're, it was like, you're almost just like, it's too much intensity. I know what you're saying. I, I respected that. I mean, I hated the heat, but I respected the hell out of them. Um, I'm going to get back to the Knicks before I let you go. Uh, we talked a little bit about Randall, you know, falling off. Just looking at the team, they obviously, you know, they tried to bring in Kemba. They brought in Fournier, tried to sacrifice uh, yeah. defense for offense. Didn't really work. What, just looking at it, do you think it's like they tried to take a formula that was very specific? I've compared it to like a house of cards last year. Like they knew what they were. They knew what they were doing and they tried to switch around. It all fell apart. What do you think went wrong in New York this year? Well, I, I think that's what you're supposed to do. That, and like people don't understand very rare. Do you get these long stretches uh, of just greatness? And even then there's hiccups like idea the Lakers like went to didn't make the postseason won a championship, lost in the first round, didn't make the postseason, right? Now let's look at the Miami Heat. Went to the NBA Finals. Like, I feel like they got swept out hey, last yeah, year. By the Bucs. Right? Yep. They got swept out last year and then and then, and then didn't have a great year. And then this year, they're the number one seed. Golden State Warriors, all those straight finals, then crappy year, crappy year. This year could have been potentially the number one seed, number two seed this year and falling to number three. So you could just see these breakups. So, cause you have to tinker with it. You knew with, if you just ran it back the following year, that that wasn't going to be good enough. You had no. maximized what that can do. Now, sometimes you can make some additions and it can move it forward. And sometimes you can make some, uh, some additions and it can move it backwards. Right. And so that's why when you're looking at what the, the, the Knicks had to do, they had to bring in offense. You can be the number one rated defense, but if you're the, the 30th ranked yeah. offense, it's like, you gotta, okay, let's see if we, we can get some offense in here and let's go to eighth in defense. If we can get, you know, middle of the pack on the offense. That was the so goal. Did, yeah. Yeah. That was a goal and it yeah. didn't work out. And it's like, okay, now why did it not work out? Kimball Walker, if Kimball Walker respectfully, great dude, if he had anything left in his knee, then he wouldn't be being, you know, traded and moved around his knees in a bad spot. And he's a smaller guy. And you know what I'm saying? And if he's yeah. not scoring at a high level, then he's going to be tough to keep on the floor. And then, um, Fournier, I think Fournier is a good piece. I think Fournier is a I really like good piece. Yeah. He's a good piece, but ultimately all the pieces didn't fit. A lot of it had to do with Julius Randall's performance. That was such a severe drop off. And then the team wasn't as great, you know, uh, in, in certain areas. So I, I think you, you just got to tinker with it and then maybe they'll tinker with it. That's why I say you should keep them okay. to start the season just to see maybe, maybe they start off in the sixth spot, maybe his value because, you know, maybe things they can, you know, now you got to add, you got to tweak. That's where player development comes in. That's how Memphis got better each, each year. Bane shows up. All these guys just keep getting better inside their organization. That's a well-run organization. Their guys inside get better. I was going to ask when you said you thought the Knicks were on the right track a minute ago, does that have to do with the fact that they have finally for the first time in seemingly forever, a young core that like, look, we, we know they don't, have a job. We know they don't have a, a Luca or, or, or someone of that ilk, but do you like the young talent that the Knicks have? Yeah, I, I think, I think it is, but you got to development of your talent is so key. It, it is so important. And the Knicks have not done that. So if you're not getting free agents, you're not winning games, you're not getting young talent. You're just doing all the things wrong, all of it wrong. <laughs> I, I would agree. Right? With that. Like, and, and that's where like people get frustrated. It's like, guys, 
you can't be doing all of this wrong. That can, you almost have to try to do that. And so I, I yeah. like the young talent. And look, you go back to the Lakers young talent. Yes, they traded away all their young talent, but it won them a championship. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, you will trade anything for a championship. They would trade LeBron James today if they thought <laughs> if they yes. if, if if you said, hey, we will present you with a trade for LeBron James that will guarantee you guys win a championship next year. They would do it because that's what we're in this for. And so if you put yourself in a situation that, you know, you feel the team can get better, then then that's what you do. A uh, couple more. Uh, RJ Barrett is, I, I would say, is the highest pedigree young talent they have. He mm-hmm. finds himself, you know, we talk about Nick's kind of disrespect, finds himself often left off these lists of top players like under a certain age. You know, put up 20 a game this year starting New Year's Eve. He put up some even uh, even higher numbers. Um, obviously, the efficiency is not there. Uh, will it come? You know, he's beginning to the line more. I, we like what we see from RJ Barrett here. What do you think it is about him that he seems to be kind of left out of the conversation again, not with the jaws and the Lucas of, of the world, but with that kind of next tier of, of young guys. Well, he's got to get better. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that. I, I agree. I get like, 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 listen, man, like we, we can't just scoff at the Jason Tatum's Lucas jaws and, like, do we see what those boys like? Like, that's that's fine. Like, it's okay. Like, not like you. I feel like I had a pretty solid career. No one ever mentioned me in the same breath as as T Mac and Vince and Kobe. You know, it's like, and I'm not saying that R J Barrett can't get there, but I'm saying R J Barrett can be an important piece to a great team. Like, I think he he has all of those things, and that's all you want. The minute you draft a guy, it's like one: is he an NBA player? Okay, good. Higher you get up, the more likely it's he's going to be. Two, how much of a contributor is he? Right? Is he a guy? And then it's like, can like how healthy, how available, how much better does he get every year? And so a lot of these boxes you just you just kind of got to check along the way. And I think RJ Barrett is checking all of the boxes. He cares. He wants to be in New York. Now y'all got to keep you guys. The Knicks are like two or three more like quality moves. Away yep. because maybe Damian Lillard says he wants to go to New York. Now you have quality pieces that a team might take to make the trade. I'm not, I'm making that up and pulling that out of my ass, but I'm saying you could see the Damian Lillard situation in Portland could go either way right now. Sure. So yep. what if he says New York? But the problem is, is that if you guys had nothing to even offer, New York would be, or Portland would be like, God, no. That's why it's even important to be hitting on the OB Toppins. It's important to be hitting on, on, on these players because even if they don't become great players, they're still impressive assets that you can move and do positive things with. Y'all just haven't been hitting on anything for fucking for 15 years. <laughs> it was it was a long time. Trust me, I, yeah. we, we go through the draft record periodically on this podcast. Um, two more, uh, Alec Burks, you played with a long time ago. I had to ask this yeah, before yeah. I let you go. Um, did you ever foresee a situation where he would be playing 35 minutes a night as a uh, starting point guard in the national basketball association? I- I'll tell you what, he's such a good dude. Good country boy. Love, love, love my, love my young guy. Um, 
That was another guy. I played with Rudy Gobert. Jeez, I forget about all. These oh my guys. god, you did play Rudy. Yeah, I played with Rudy Gobert and and, and Gordon Hayward. Um, I think Alec Alec had all has a ton of talent. The kid has a ton. I of like talent. Alec to be clear. Yeah, he yeah. Re- he really likes the game of basketball. He had so many injuries over the course of his career and not really yeah. playing like super consistent. You know, and multiple multiple I think shoulder surgery stuff like that. And that's that that tough that stuff. But like, did he have the talent to be doing this? Yes. Should Alec be paying thirty five <laughs> minutes a game? No, he should not because no. he's getting old. And I, you can tell him I said that. And, and <laughs> you, listen, listen, you can play thirty five minutes and play five more years, or you can play twenty five minutes and play seven more years. Pick the seven, bro. Pick the seven. But that, but again, that also shows the space that the Knicks were in. The Nets were in the same spot. Right. Yeah. Patty, Patty Mills was struggling in the middle, late part of the season because Joe Harris goes out 14 games into the season. Kyrie's not playing at all. So he was, he looked good in the beginning of the season, but then all of a sudden this dude had played like with, with 20 games left, he had played more minutes than he ever had in his career. And it's like, and fell off cliff. Yeah. And fell off a cliff like that. That's not that's not the role that he excels in, that he thrives in. Like Alec Burke, that's not the role that he excels in. It's that he thrives in. Even so, even if he's struggling, you're asking him to do something that's probably not best suited for him. Yeah. Right. So then people get frustrated because then you get frustrated at the player. Right. And the fans might be like, oh, look at Alec Burke, what he's doing. He's like, well, he shouldn't be in that role, but he's yeah. doing it the best that he can because that's all you guys got. And he's a gamer and he's competitive. So he's going to fucking try his best. But that's where players see organizations run like that. And you're just like, do I really want to take my free agency? It's there? A great. It's a great call. It's it's like, a great, it's like, I, yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to have the fans boo me because the management doesn't know how, how to put the players around. And I say all this to say the Knicks have done a better job. That's what we're talking about yeah. of making it more inviting. The Brooklyn Nets were dead in the water after the famous worst trade in NBA history, the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett got fleeced for all their assets. Sean Marks came in, made some moves, right. And made it attractive for free agents with D'Angelo and, and, and Dimwitty and Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, yep. all of these super consistent players in the league, just a bunch of high level role players. And, and like D'Angelo squeaked in one all-star game, yep. Jared Allen got one all-star game, just with good, good, solid, high level quality players made it attractive. And then you got uh, K- uh, Kyrie and KD same happened in, in, in LA. They make the postseason. They're like yeah. the eight scrappy, the scrappy, yep. scrappy. And like guys are like, I'll go play with that. So then they get Kawhi and Paul George. You have to make yourself available. You can't tell players to come save you. And that's the, that was why I would always get so frustrated with the Knicks and the Knicks fans. And it's all weird. And it's like, players don't want to go be a savior. It's already too hard to have to play the game, let alone like be expected to like, like you're not sure if the organization is going to put the right pieces around you because they haven't done anything right in the last 15 years. Like it's not that hard. You're echoing a lot of stuff that I've been saying over the last couple of years in terms of like, just win games, win games, show that you're capable of winning games. And then you're in New York, you know, at some point, it's, come. it's my favorite yeah. city. It's my favorite. City. I was about that's to say, love, you're the one. That's why I tell the stories about cabs Nets. in Manhattan. Yeah. 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 That's why I love the Nets. Like I, I got drafted by there. New York's my favorite city. I was living in Tribeca. Like I don't like, 
I know how popular New York is. I know that's why it's like, how are you guys messing this up? Like, I know how easy it is. The Nets are getting free agents. Like you guys can get free agents, but it was just, you know, and so that I think that's it, man. But I, the, the, the messing with Knicks fans, that's just fun for me. Right. You, as long you as seem to have fun. fun. Yeah, man. <laughs> because, because you know what it was? I'm, I was just, like I said, where I lived, I was always about, so I'm in the city, I'm in the restaurants with the Knicks fans laughing, joking, like, you know, watching games and bars. Like that's what I used to do. So it was just like, I know the pain. I know how frustrated you guys are. So it's funny uh, to kind of like dig yeah. a little bit and I would, and I'll be there when you guys are just like, Oh, it's still a Nick town. It's still a Nick town. It's like, Joe, like we know that's what makes it funnier. That's what makes it funnier. <laughs> You still, know? It, it may be terrible, but it is still a nick down. Um, yeah. And I, I appreciate the hell out of you coming on and uh, and going a little back and forth with me on this stuff because I I, uh, I know you know other Nick fans appreciate it as well. Uh, last one I want to ask you: Who's someone you you want to interview on uh, road trip and that you haven't yet? You've had the pod for a long time. Is there anybody you still haven't got as a guest that you'd love to talk to? Nah. No, man. Like, I think the guys that, you know, there's the Michael Jordans, there's the, you know, like sure. the legends. Uh, I won't, you know, I, I say like every guest we get, man, I'm just so happy because it's like, like, yo, know, this is a cool job, man. And it just becomes something that's fun. Um, and I've, I've been Mike Trout. I've had Lindsey Vaughn. We've had, you know, Bill Walton, Tim Duncan, like all these guys like have come on. And it's been fun, but I kind of like the journey versus like that North star. Sure. Right? Yeah. There is the, there is that yeah. North star, but like, yeah, Jordan's not sitting down and doing my <laughs> podcast. There's no like, so it's like, I'm not even going to put that out there. Like, Barack Obama, what are you doing next Tuesday? You want to come hang out with me? You want to come? You don't think he'd do your pod? He does just, stuff. He no, popped he up on, on Netflix the other day for me. I was the, turning on a, a special for my my kid on like National Geographic. There's Barack Obama narrating it. Yeah. See, like that's yeah. No, I I um I keep my expectations low. Uh, <laughs> just like you know, I was like, nah, no, nah, we're just we're just a simple little pod. We just like to talk some, tell some stories. So no, man. I, honestly, thank you for having me on, man. Yeah, I, I love talking hoops, especially with Knicks fans, because there's always a pain I hear in their voice that just helps me sleep at night. And so <laughs> I just I just want to tell I have you, to laugh. I, I just I really I really enjoy it. it it's it like it's funny how the Knicks fans have become the new Red Sox fans and the new Cubs fans. Like you guys are those new, the, this generation, like the Cubs fans that were just long, just hated themselves. The Red Sox fans, they, they hated that they were Red Sox fans. They hated that they had we're, no choice we're but not to there root yet. for the team that would break their heart. Oh, yes, you are. Yes, yes, you are. Yes, yes, you are. There is self-loathing. There was a lot of self-loathing <laughs> this year. There was a lot of self-loathing this year. I would be the first to admit it. I still would not trade my Nick fan in front of anything. I will say I, I agree. You sound like Cubs fans. You sound like so. <laughs> hopefully you guys don't have... Hopefully you guys don't have like a hundred year drought, like, like the Cubs and like, this is next year's our year, Richard. You didn't, we're going to, we're going to trade for uh who Zion, uh, Donovan Mitchell. Let's see who else we could get on the next year's. You guys, that's, that's a beautiful, honestly, that is a pipe dream. That is a pipe dream. That might be, might be a bit of, no, I'm just talking. That's not true. You guys, you, you guys literally, honestly, you got, that's what I'm saying. Nick fans. I'm just joking. You guys have position. You guys are in a better position. You, oh, let me say, you have only been in a position this good 
probably two or three times in the last 20 years. I would agree with that. like, like, and like, and so like, so that means you're going in the right direction, right? Even coming off a year like that, even coming off a year like that, like you're still going in the right direction. Cause there were years where it was like, well, we're going to start over again, new coach, new GM trade everybody. It's like, no, like you're, you're, you guys got a chance. I was so. about to say, now, now don't fuck it up. Uh, Richard Jefferson, <laughs> host of the road trip pod, of course, uh, part of the blue wire podcast family thank you so much for coming on man i really appreciate the time this was a lot of fun is it and, uh, is that yeah. the mat do you have magic treehouse books behind you well since you asked this was my daughter's easter present yes it is all how many 28 <laughs> books of the magic no. treehouse series yes it, it like the my two little boys that's why i was like oh god the magic treehouse because it's like that's the audio book that every single night they want to listen to is that. Oh, really? Just, and yeah, that's how I know it. And so then they, then I have the books and I have the thing. And now we're not getting paid to talk about the magic treehouse, but damn kids love that. <laughs> damn kids love it, man. They love that, man. So someone from her class brought, I guess, one of the books in, and she came home one day. She's like, I need the magic treehouse. I, I, oh, they love introduce her to the audio book. It's a, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, the audio books on that. That's what that's their bedtime stories. Yeah, shut up. They can listen. They tell me to go shh, shh. Daddy, can you put your AirPods in? I don't want to hear your phone. So sorry. Sorry. I, I talk enough. I, I I wouldn't mind having somebody else read the stories for a night oh, or two. Out of the oh, week. yeah. Yes, hundred percent. Just <laughs> that's the move. You guys have a good day. I appreciate you guys for having me on. You too, Richard. Be well. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. All right. Thank you for checking out another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Richard Jefferson and uh, at the very least come away with a little bit more perspective on why he uh, seems to get so much enjoyment from picking at Knicks fans. And that is because he does, apparently, as told to you by none other than than him uh, himself. Uh, Either way, I had fun. I hope you had fun listening to it. Don't forget, as always. If you enjoy the show, feel free to drop a five-star rating. Uh, Leave us a review. Uh, Subscribe, of course, if you haven't subscribed. We appreciate all those things, and we will be back with you with another episode. Uh, Drop in Sunday into Monday, as usual, with me and Jeremy. Talk to you then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.